Welcome to My American Vida. I'm your host, Leisa Carrillo, and this is my podcast where I will share the story of my life growing up in Cuba and how I came to live here in America. I will share my journey to becoming an entrepreneur with the people who have helped and inspired me along the way. Turn in once a month to enter into my world, to grow personally and professionally. My mission for you to know is, don't wait for someone to tell you, you are good enough. Because you know what? You already are. Hello, everybody. Welcome to my first episode of my American Vida. I'm your host, Leisa Carrillo, and I can't wait to share with you guys all the goods about this episode. This episode is going to be called There is No Room for Average. I'm Leisa Carrillo, born and raised in Cuba in a little tiny town called Varadero. If you are listening to this and you have visited Cuba, you know Varadero is like a beach town, a small, 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 where everybody knows each other. Have a lot of hotels. There is a lot of fishermen. There is just things to do if you live in a beach town. I remember growing up, my mom and dad were telling me, we have to break into the closet in order to fit you in. Our room was so small that you didn't even fit when you came to our family. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I was born in 81, guys, in that little town. In another little, little small apartment, they have one room where my mom and dad will sleep and my brother. So Lisa was born and they basically had to destroy that closet that they have on the room to get me a space to grow. <laughs> my brother was moved to the living room and my grandpa used to live on the living room already. So of course my brother has like a, this small little bed that if anybody in the house has to go to work early, early in the morning, he had to wake up, move the bed in order to open the front door. So my dad would go to work sometime at five, at six. So we had to wake up my brother, moving around, get him to the bed for whoever was living at that time to be able to leave. From there, my dad got another apartment in the main city, Matanzas. Matanza is a bigger city. It's kind of, it's a beach town as well, but it's, bigger, better. Even though we were in an apartment, this apartment has three bedrooms. Woohoo, finally. <laughs> I have my own bedroom, my brother and my mom and dad. And I grew up happily. I remember going to the beach 
every single day, guys. My brother did all the water sports that you can ever imagine. Diving, swimming, like, I mean, he did so much. I always was in another level when it comes with sports, but I remember we used to go to the beach together and he taught me how to swim, to not be afraid, how to build the castles on the sand. I remember telling my mom, I just want to stay longer. And it was dark, guys. Like I would stay to the, in the beach after sunset. And I was like, just let's build a house, mom, made of paper. I don't care. Just build me a house so that I can stay longer in the beach and I sleep here. That's how much I love the beach. My mom, family guys, are from Spain. My dad from Africa. I always grew up as a mixed girl that didn't ever thought about color skin, Afro hair, anything similar. They raised me so well. I live in a country where by the time I was born, those things were important. But that being said, the past of my parents mark my future, mark my today, and made me who I am today. When I say there is no room for average, I mean in the best way. I'm just going to give you a roundabout a little bit of my mom and dad. My mom's side, they came from Spain to invest in Cuba, and they own this huge ice cream factory named Guarina, Helado Guarina. So one of the biggest in the city and in my country. That means my mom grew up differently than my dad. She grew up with everything she can ever imagine except a brother or a sister. So she grew up really lonely, but with a lot of luxuries and stuff. My dad, on the other hand, he came from Africa. I mean, he was born in Cuba, but all my dad's family, grandparents and grand, grand, grand came from Africa as slaves to work on the sugarcane fields. My grandparents and my dad were born in Cuba, but they were born on the same tiny little country town where those sugarcane fields and factories are. They were born and raised in this only house that I can still close my eyes and see it. Made by wood, dirt, dirt floor. that was literally polished by my grandma in a way that you can be like, this doesn't even look dirt, but it was dirt. She didn't have a kitchen with any supplies, nothing. She had a hole on the ground where she would basically cook there. She would put whatever um, the wood or whatever they have. And she would have those, um, how you call it, those, um, it looked like a barbecuing kind of um, covers, but she would change and regulate the pans where she would cook. They didn't have a bathroom inside. I remember that like today that was so so shocking to me going to the bathroom had to go outside I was like wow and I would tell all my friends about it they had so much land I would love to go there on summertime to eat every single fruit you can ever imagine they used to get um, they used to get um, also coffee from their own land I mean of course sugarcane and a lot of fruits and vegetables. They were basically farmers and my dad grew up like that. 
until he was eight. I think and my mom was, wasn't born when the revolution happened and Cuba got taken by the revolution and everything started being equal, wasn't no more a slave, a slavery and poor people, they couldn't go to school or afford. So they end all the um, difference between black and white and all of that. I think my country was really advanced into that back on the 50s and 60s. And that being said, my dad, I remember telling me that he couldn't go to the school with the white people, that he couldn't walk on the same street as the white people. He couldn't afford to go to school until he was eight years old. That my grandma, that was smart enough to see that she wants a better future for her kids. She moved to Havana in Cuba, that is the capital. I would say four hours from this tiny, tiny little country town. And she literally started working as a clean lady in a house. That house allowed her to pay my dad better shoes to go to school. Not to mention that in order for him to go to school, he had to walk almost five miles. That's why he couldn't afford to go to school. Not only because the shoes, because there was so much walking that no shoes can last that. They didn't have horses. They didn't, I mean, they were poor. So I remember my grandma allowed my dad to have an education. He allowed my grandma, um, I mean, my grandma allowed my aunt to also have an education. So I grew up listening to the things. Lisa, there is no room for average. We all can make it. My dad, from there, he became, um, he graduated as an electrician. He went to college to the capital. I don't even know, don't even ask me because he studied as a, I mean, with so much discipline that he got a scholarship. He moved to the capital and he ended up being a lawyer. Can you imagine from that to being a lawyer? He was one of the first black men with a university career as a lawyer. After that, he became the sheriff of my city. So I grew up listening to these things and those things mark. It's like a tattoo on my skin. He's like, Lisa, you don't have room to make mistakes. There is no room for you to be okay with things. You always have to be better. You always have to honor this family memory. And that's how Lisa grew up, guys, with a parents and my mom and dad, both supporting me on my dreams, making sure that I understood what life was about and how they sacrificed themselves to be where they were. Later on, I start a school. I remember that I did a little bit of sports, but not much, but I always was artistic. I was always that little girl that my parents' friend would come home or family members and I would just get my fake microphone. I would dress up. I would put makeup. I start singing and dancing for them all the time. And I wouldn't let anybody stand up from the shed. I would be like, no, no, no. You sit here. I haven't finished it. I will be back with another toy, another story. Like I would just be back with something else. My mom and dad was like, oh my goodness, this girl is too much. My brother growing up, he had to read every single week a book. 
he was introduced to the military school. He became an engineer. And I was just so forced to be smart like him. I was like, I have to be really smart. My brother is really smart. He's the number one in the whole country on math. Like he went to competitions. Like he was so good. And I was like, I didn't know what to do to stand up, to show up, to be there. And, you know, you as a little girl, you don't find yourself really feeling nowhere yet until I broke this huge mirror that was in my house. I will never forget that day. My mom pulled me from the hair and she was, this is enough. Tomorrow we're going to go to the dance school and the art school. It was like a art school in my city. It was the only one. They never took me there because it was far away from my house. The schooler system in Cuba is different. So every town might have Every town, not all the towns, I would say every three or five towns have one art school and one sport, um, some sort of academy. And of course, imagine there is just no options. There is just one place to go. It was far from my house, like almost 45 minutes. Every single day, that's allowed when you don't have a car when the school system is completely like so selected and different because I don't know if you guys know but over there you don't pay for education it's totally free when you learn art or sports all of that um you can become a doctor for free and I mean I will explain everything in a little bit but my mom didn't want to just send me to a school that she couldn't see me or control what was happening I was seven eight I think and story short guys I got to the school and of course I got the school over a thousand kids I'm telling you people come from everywhere for that school and only 15 are selected I was one of those 15 kids that got selected my mom was like oh my goodness now what am I gonna do so this is one lace I started living by her own I started living by myself when I was seven years old they couldn't afford taking me back and forward every single day, 45 minutes. My mom didn't have a car. I have to literally leave on the school. I remember waking up the first day and I didn't even know what to do with my hair. <laughs> I remember brushing my teeth and I dripped on my uniform and I got to the classroom and everybody was laughing and I didn't know what it was. It was I have, I have toothpaste everywhere, my clothes. But um, I was so happy to finally be listening, to finally have the opportunity to become a dancer or whatever I was thinking. And I started my ballet career. I was there for about, mm, I think it is just like seven, seven to eight years. It's just right, you finish right after high school. And from high school, you go to whatever is next. I was there for seven years, I believe, and I was only going to my house on the weekends. So on the weekends, I remember my mom helping me to do my hair, tie, tie two ponytails, and those are those, that was the look for ballet, and that was the requirement, and I just have to smooth my edges every single morning. 
but I wouldn't be able to take them down because if I would take down those ponytails, I wouldn't be able to handle my hair at school. So I remember the whole two days on the weekend was all about my hair, me trying to see my friends from my neighborhood, doing homework. It was just hard. But I was a happy little girl. I was doing what I was supposed to. And the real life happened. <laughs> Are you ready? Now you have to really grow up. I have to leave my city and I have to move to the capital that is four hours from my city. So I really have to be away from my family. I was 15 years old when I graduated from my high school. I got my diploma. I was one of the best. I worked so hard. I remember my ballerina shoes. You could squeeze the sweat out of. My final test was so intense. I did and I worked so hard for it. Time to get to the national school in Havana. Havana literally is 40 minutes away from my city. I wouldn't be able to come every single weekend. Hello is too far away and how? I couldn't afford to get in a taxi. Like it doesn't even, I mean, it's expensive that you cannot even afford to do that. And the reason I keep saying I couldn't afford to do that is because you don't imagine how being a lawyer or work for the government or a doctor in Cuba looks like. It's not like here. Literally, the doctor, my family doctor used to go to work in a bicycle. It's different, guys. It's completely different. The system on those communist countries are different than here. They get paid $20 a month doesn't mean anything. And basically, if you work in a hotel as a backtender, you can make more than a doctor or a lawyer in my country. But maybe that could be another episode, right? But once again, I got to the capital. I was happy. The main audition. When I say national means that there is people coming and students coming from the whole country. Now was the deal. And you have to submit this audition and you have to also be selected over hundreds and hundreds of kids. It's basically three days auditioning, going to so many different levels of contemporary dance, ballet, classic, choreography. Like you have to literally like prepare yourself for that. I prepared myself. I thought that it was good enough, but you're never good enough over there. The pressure... The competition level is so high that anything can happen. Means if you are studying through whole your middle school and high school and your scores are A's and A's plus, you can be a lawyer, a doctor, an engineer, like those top careers. If you are a B or a C a student, you can be a mechanic, this and this, electrician, like, like that. If you are a C student, you are literally going to gastronomics. Like, it just go by level. So you basically have to compete to be where you want to be. There is no option for you to decide what you want to be. The careers are limited. They I might be 10-ish courses, and you have to audition for it. You have to have the score for it. So I finally got the score. I got to Havana. 
it was three days of sweat, crying, being hungry, just to look the best and all of that until I made it. I made it to the national audition. Over hundreds and hundreds of kids, once again, Lisa made it. I felt relieved. It was my first step to freedom. Basically, it's like, okay, you're not a little girl anymore. <laughs> That's it. You are 15 and you are out of your house forever. Bye. <laughs> I start in Havana, working hard into my school, trying to develop all the techniques. Of course, year tras year, plus year, you have to prove yourself, go to auditions every single year until you graduate. That's the way it is. That's how we do it. And it was good. It was a good training for the life that I have today. It was good for me because made me who I am, basically. That tough way of living, that tough training made me definitely who I am today. The discipline that you get through performing, dancing, sports, all of that is priceless. Every single day you have to wake up in the morning, you have to like train. I remember to train until noon, then has a lunch break and then to do the school, the, the, the school side, math, all of that chemistry and go back late and practice choreography then dinner take a shower homework go to bed that was over and over and over and over and over and over it's basically a lot for a kid but you get it i made it and i'm here nothing happened to me i just got stronger at what i do when it comes with discipline commitment beyond time and understanding sacrifices. The sacrifices my parents made to give me that freedom. It wasn't easy for them to let me go when I was seven and let me sleep in the school for over six days, sometimes more, and not knowing if I was eating, if I was good. And I'm telling you guys, it wasn't the best time of my country. That was the crisis when Russia stopped helping Cuba. All the things went to hell. We didn't even have food. I remember having for breakfast just a cereal. It wasn't a cereal. It was like a, it wasn't a milk. It was like a, I don't even know. It was like a, it's like that protein milk kind of type. That's it. No bread, nothing. That's a liquid thing. For all the morning, remember all the exercise that I had to do. Then lunch, we would call it the three rices. <laughs> because it would be rice, that means white rice, soup with rice, and rice pudding for dessert. The three rice, there was nothing, no protein, guys, nothing. So I was holding myself into carbs, basically. My energy level always was up because the sugar I would eat before I would go to bed, I would literally lick my hands into sugar straight sugar we had sugar and we just lick the sugar until it was gone <laughs> those were one one of the snacks not to mention the other ones but in havana i remember all the sacrifices that i had to make there was times that we were so hungry that we would go to 
the mango trees and we would get the mangoes green. They were so green, not ready. They didn't taste like nothing. We would cut them open and we would only be able to eat it with salt because we're so sour and horrible. <laughs> we were like, uh, there is no way. Just let's put it with salt. I remember one time we were just going to this place to just trying to get on people's houses. Literally, we were kids hungry. We would get on people's backyard to steal the fruit from the tree. Until we got cut one time, we had to run ourselves away, literally like run for hours. After that, I was like, you know what, guys, I'm not doing this anymore. It's too risky. It's too hard. I, I just don't want to do it. So those are all the sacrifices that I mean. I remember was the first pizza place. So in my play in my in my country there is no food, you know, like fat food places, right? Like here that you go to McDonald's here and there. Your parents give you money and you can just afford and go to have some snacks. Over there we don't have that. Literally. There is none. There is just breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And you go to a restaurant if you want to eat something different than what is cooked for you in your house or at school. The government finally had those private restaurants. That means that a family member can open a restaurant on the house and sell food, snacks, whatever, right? I was like, this is it. This is our moment. It was this huge Pizza play behind the school was amazing, guys. The pizza has so much cheese. I will look at it and I, will, I can literally like, I mean, just cry just to think about it right now. What I went through, just going to look at the pizzas and not be able to buy it. And me and my friends, we decide like, what can we do? What about if we get in the front of the pizza play and we start dancing there and performing and we tell people like, we're dancing for a pizza. <laughs> My friends were like, okay, deal, let's do it. Guys, we would go and dance in front of the pizza play. It could be contemporary dance. This was literally on the street because you cannot be on the property, right? So we were like, I will remember scratch my knee because I would get on the floor. Like I would do the full choreo. So we would literally go there to practice the choreography that we're supposed to have for our performance and stuff like that. And when people would be like, oh my God, bravo, that's amazing. They would applause and stuff like that. We would be like, oh, we're just here because we will love if you guys can buy us a pizza. So we became the pizza girls in front of the school. Basically, there was more people doing it. And thanks to that pizza place, guys, I have better nights on my school days because when I mean I've been hungry I went to bed sometimes in pain there was nothing to eat and I don't know what I'm even going so deep into this but if I want to be honest on this podcast and I want to just open up and just tell you my life this is how I Lisa start I literally came from nothing. I start from a scratch, from dirt, from a slavery, from division, from a poor, horrible country in some ways. I know it's green, it's beautiful, have palm trees and beaches, but come on guys. Growing up in the system, 
that I did wasn't easy. Later on, guys, I finished school. I was 17, about to be 18. This National School of Art is basically three years. And that's when my life began. I was just trapped in a little girl body. Why we say a young teenager body, but we had grown up adult mindset. I have to literally fight for my life right now. I have to literally figure out what I was supposed to do, you know, and just to think about it, I can, there is tear coming, tears coming out of my eyes right now. I'm sorry. Oof. So when you graduate this kind of schools, guys, you have to literally, after all the sacrifices, there is the capital with all the opportunities and there is your small city that you have to go back to it. And for two years, you have to serve your government. That means you have to become a teacher. You have to work in whatever they want you to do in your city. That's the way you basically pay for your schooling. Or that's the way the system wants you to pay, basically. Finish a school. I was already in the capital with in the capital with that freedom, with that life full of opportunity, seeing all the shows, all the things that I could do, and I was just packing my stuff to go to my small little town again to be nothing there. Because the most crazy thing that you can imagine is that going back doesn't mean that you can leave that city again and come back to the capital to find an audition in a show. doesn't work like that. If you are from New York, for example, you cannot live in LA. If you're in LA, you cannot live in Texas. You have to have your ID that says Havana, that means the capital, in order for you to live there. So if I was staying in Havana, I would be legal in that city. I would be a legal immigrant, basically in my own country. Because there is so much opportunity in Havana, or I would say it's the only place that has opportunities. Everybody wanna live there, right? So they put restrictions. Back then the restriction was, if you don't have a job or you're not in a school, you cannot live there. I told my dad and my mom, I was like, you know what? I'm literally ready to sacrifice everything to go for my dreams and I stay in Havana and cast for the show here. I heard there is a lot of shows coming up and that's what I want to do. My mom and dad was like, oh my gosh, you are so brave. Because another thing that I didn't tell you guys, you don't get your title. Okay, so you graduate school, but you won't get your title that says you graduated until you finish those two years of apprenticeship, apprenticeship in your city. Literally, that's how hard it is. My dad was like, okay. They always were so smart with me when they were talking. They always were so good to me on explaining the goods and the bad and always helping me to decide what was best for me. They like, you will lose your title. You won't have a certificate that says that you graduate. All the hard work is gone. 
but you might get a show and maybe they don't care about you being graduated, but you know you have to be really good in that audition. You know that you have to prove that you are worth the effort of not having a title and let you work there. I was, I know, I know that I'm ready to sacrifice to do that. I remember having this boyfriend, guys. Mm, I didn't like him as much. I was a teenager. I was 17. And he was in another level. He just wanted to do things. And I was just like focused in being a dancer and make life life of the career that I already sacrificed so much. So I remember having this boyfriend at the end of my school ship. He used to drive a really nice car by the school. And of, of course, he used to park at the pizza play and get pizza and all of that. So he used to be a driver for one of the em embassy that was close to my school. I remember getting his car and the car had AC. And I was like, oh my God, I've never been in a car with AC. So I will love that. He was so nice. Um, so sinful for him and his family. He would give me roses. Everything was so beautiful, but I wasn't ready mentally. He was older than me. And he said, you know what? If you don't want to go back to your city, you can stay in my house. Guys, that literally opened up my eyes so wide. I got so happy. And I told my mom and dad, I'm going to stay with my boyfriend. He offered me to stay on his house and his mom and all of that. They were so good to me, guys. They were so good. But I wasn't there. I was so focused in being a dancer and be somebody that I couldn't give me giving him all the time you know latinos and the culture in my country is different they want you to have kids and get married and all of that and i was like no 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 that's not what i want and i had to talk to a couple of friends if i could stay on their houses and things like that everybody told me no that they couldn't they, could, they couldn't afford this and that so i was okay i'm gonna stay with him for later be until i find a job wow that sacrifice lasts not too long. It was like three months. And I'm not, I'm not ashamed about saying this, guys, because there is mistakes and things that we all make. And I'm being extremely transparent. Like, yes, I was sleeping with a guy just for the interest in having a roof to leave. But at the same time, I was nice with them. I was respectful. I was cleaning the house. I was helping. All of that I was... I was I wasn't in love. I wasn't in that side of the road that he was. There is this audition happening. I would hear from friends. They were like, guys, there is this audition. It's a Germany lady that came to Cuba to get a show. And if you go to the audition and you get hired, she's going to give you a backpack full of makeup and uh, workout clothes, you know, dance clothes. And I was like, what? Guys, my clothes have holes. I cannot even tell you have holes. I, Like I said, I was really poor. And I literally went to this audition. It was my first audition. I was like, okay, it's my first audition. I have an experience. I'm just going to go just to get that backpack full of makeup and nice dance clothes so I can look better for other auditions, right? When I got there, oh my gosh. There was so many people. The line, it could go around three blocks. Everybody wanted to go because everybody wanted the backpack, the makeup, 
and the clothes. <laughs> and of course, she was paying on, she was paying with dollars, I believe. But then it was like five dollars a week or three dollars a week if you get into the show. And that was a lot for every Cuban. I'm telling you, a doctor made $20 a month. So for me, making $3 a week was, a I mean, I was in heaven. I was like, oh my God, what I made that? I got to the audition, guys. When I see everybody was looking nice. You know, people from the capital, they know, they know the shows, they have nice clothes. They already, I don't know, they have better opportunities. My clothes was horrible. And I see sitting on the audience, looking at everybody that was getting audition, one of my best friends from school, she was a year older than me. She's still one of my best friends till today. She became a hairstylist because of me. And her name is Tracy Hernandez. And guys, I could cry <laughs> again talking about her and her family. She was sitting at the audition and she was like, Lisa, come here, sit with me. You have to do the audition. You have to make it. You have to do it. And I was like, oh my God, but look at how nice everybody's looking. How I'm going to, how I'm going to make it? Like, I'm sorry. I don't even have clothes to jump on the stage and do this audition. She took her leggings, guy. In that moment, she took her leggings she gave me her leggings and I gave her my little shorts. I have like little shorts on and she said, you're going to jump in to the audition and you're going to do it. Guys, I got to the audition and I got selected over hundreds and hundreds of people once again. So at this point, I knew that I was special. I knew that all the sacrifices that I was making in my life was worth it. I knew that I could do better. I knew there was a better future for me. And I saw literally a light coming from the above telling me, keep going. This is your opportunity to stay in Havana and make your dreams come true. I finished the audition, guys. I got my my back pattern when I opened it. It was exactly what everybody was saying. It was so much makeup. It was clothes. She gave us so much stuff. She was basically donating to get Cuban people. She came a million times to Cuba for vacation and she fell in love with the culture. She was a rich lady in German. Her dad owns, or still her family owns, one of the biggest train public transportation company or in Europe. Like, they're huge. So she was so in love with the culture. So she wanted to create a show and take it to Europe. So Lisa once again got into the audition, got to the show, and I was literally changing my leggings, giving it back to my friend. The leggings were all sweaty. I gave her all, guys. When she gave me those leggings, and she was already part of the show, so I felt power. I felt so much power on me that I jumped on the stage and I gave my life there. I was so good. And I was just literally like hugging her and telling her, thank you so much. Gave me the leggings back and I was like, girl, I think I got it. So now I can wait to start making money to find a place to live because I don't have a place to live. 
She said, what? I was like, no, no, I'm staying with her boyfriend. And, and, you know, I tell her the story and she's like, no, come to my house. Don't worry. Come to my house. You can live with us. Guys, the reason I'm still crying with this friend of mine, because when I walk into the house, the house was under construction. When I take, when I say on the construction, it's not like, oh, fixing this wall. No, they tear down the whole house because on the previous year, the hurricane took the roof off or something like that. So they didn't have any roof in half of the house. And all of them, mom, dad, her, were living in another half of the house. There was only one room for all of us, one bathroom. The mom was cooking outside and... They were so nice with me. They were like, no, you stay with us. You sleep on the same bed. And you don't have to sleep with somebody that you don't like. And after that, guys, I go back to the show. I start learning every single part of the show. I was so, so determined to make it. That a month or three months after, I knew that something big was coming. I knew the whole show. I was good. I was ready for all the positions. The German lady came back to Cuba and she had a contract. It was our first contract to go outside Cuba. She was doing another selection of who was going. And because I basically was very new, like three months or something like that into the show, but I knew every single choreography like I would go to my friend's house and I would practice I would repeat and repeat it again like I wanted so bad I got to go to the first show guys and I was so happy <laughs> it was my first time making something out of my hard work it was the first time I got to send money back to my small city to my parents and help them to better their life and since that day guys I've been supporting my mom and my dad my dad passed away last December but I still pay my mom's rent I still pay for her doctor's appointment everything like I'm that kind of child they had that responsibility I don't know if part of my culture or what but we help our parents until they pass until they cannot serve any longer and that's what I still do. I still do. And at the age of 17, turning 18, I was independent, living on the capital. And later on, I could afford a rent, like a little rent. I'm talking about rent. By then, rent were illegal as well. <laughs> I remember that I live in so many places that I cannot even count or tell you right now in Havana because I will leave until I will get kicked out because of course it was illegal and the neighbors would say something to the government and then I will move to another one. But because I was making dollars and I could afford, I didn't care. I was jumping and jumping from one house to another one. And that was the beginning, guys, of my life <laughs> story. <laughs> It's so much to come, guys. It's so much to come. Please stay tuned for the next episode. I'm going to give you an insight of what it was my first trip upside Cuba.
remember, I was that little girl from that small town coming to the capital. The capital was big for me, going to my first trip. And I don't even want to tell you what was that because it's one of the most expensive, high-technology countries in the world. So I got jumped from my little island to there, making a hundred dollars a show. Can you imagine how much money was that for a person that was seven years old, seventeen? So poor, making that much money, I was. It was tough. I'm gonna tell you everything what happened after that, but thank you so much, guys, for listening to me. I'm so sorry for the crying. I knew there would be some crying because my life hasn't been easy. But it molded me into the Lisa that you know today. The hairstylist, the educator, the ones that inspire you, the hairdresser behind the chair, giving you a hug in the morning when you come in. If you, my client, listen to me. This Lisa, they always is smiling and positive and happy. He has a past and I'm so grateful for my past and my life. And I can't wait to share it with you guys. Thank you so much for listening and see you on the next My American Vida Vida. <laughs>